himself up for her. You often hear people speaking about marriages made in heaven. Well, this is one of these. That's certainly true of this. We have portrayed the ultimate marriage made in heaven between Christ and his church, between Jesus and his followers. Jesus describes him as the bridegroom, the church, his people, as the bride. And this bridegroom, Jesus, we find out here, went to great lengths to secure his bride. He went to great lengths to save his people, but he also continues to go to great lengths to make this bride fit for her own, to make his people ready for him. Now, we should probably concede at the start here that Paul's intention at this point in his letter to the Ephesians is not actually to teach us about Christ. He's teaching us about marriage. He's talking about human relationships earlier in the chapter, and now he comes to talk about the relationship between a man and his wife, how a husband should love the wife and how, how the wife should love in return. Nevertheless, as he teaches them about marriage, as Paul often does, he uses Christ as his example, as his sermon illustration. And so as we read this, we learn something about Christ. That's what I want us to focus on tonight, the bridegroom. And his people. And I want to notice tonight three things that he tells us in three verses here. He tells us what Christ has done for his church in the past, what Christ is doing for his church in the present, and what Christ will do for his church in the future. You'll notice it first of all, the past is in verse 25. Christ loved the church and gave himself. in verse 25. You've got the present in verse 26. He did all this that he might sanctify them. So in the present, he is perfecting and purifying his bride. He's making his people fit for him in the present. And then you've got the future in the next verse, verse 27, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Is anticipating the day when his people will be gathered home to be with him forever. So that's what we're going to look at tonight. The past from verse 25, the present from verse 26, and the future from verse 27. Again, just to take a moment to set uh, the background here, the Church of Christ, sometimes in the Bible is described as a, as a body, sometimes it's described as a building, other times it is, as here, a bride. The imagery is of the church as the bride of Christ. However, as we read this again, the word bride does not appear in the passage. In fact, you will only find the church specifically referred to as the bride of Christ in the book of Revelation, where it speaks about his return. And that has led some people to suggest that the church in the world currently is not the bride of Christ and is not a suitable bride for him anyway because 
fear that you will not return. But there is a voice behind me. And the high school said, I will take you. He knew what he was getting. He knew what he was letting himself in for. He knew what it would cost him. love her. We read that he gave himself up for her. The Greek word means he handed himself over. It's actually the same word that's used in the New Testament called betray. Now we need to be careful of using that word in this because we always we always think of sinful connotations when we speak of betrayal. And yet it's true that Jesus betrayed himself into the hands of his enemies. He gave him himself in the sense of exposing himself to danger. He went. He went to Gethsemane where he knew they would come looking for him. And when they did come looking for him, he steps forward and he says, I will take you to the grave. And he says, I will take you. I do know you love me. Please come to me. It's a gospel. generation, people are spending more and more because their wedding's got to be bigger and better than the other person's. I don't know what the total is now. It's somewhere in the average is between 20 and 30k. So it's much, much more than that. Nothing can match the cost of this marriage. The bridegroom gave himself Christ's purpose 
is that his imperfect bride be perfect. But this flawless church, flawed church, sorry, became a flawless church. Now, his bride, make yourself appear presentable in a garish that is used to describe a bride is stunning. She is stunning. Because we girls are always beautiful. Sometimes that look requires a bit of work. Sometimes that look needs a bit of makeup, a bit of Fuji, the desired effect. And you saw that bride the next day. from everybody he sees it all and he determines that he's going to address this and his intention in taking this bride was that he might sanctify her it means to make her holy and you do that uh, the verse tells us by the washing of water with the word that he had prayed what does it mean well most commentators believe that the washing of water is a reference uh, to baptism here. Uh, and baptism has, signifies cleansing. It's, it's not a cleansing of itself, but it signifies cleansing. Do you remember when, when um, the Lord told, or when Ananias went to see Peter, he went to see Paul actually, after he had met with Jesus uh, on Damascus Road. Ananias said to him, Paul, get up, be baptized wash your sins away. Now, water in itself cannot do that. It is water will remove the pollution of sin. It's Christ that cleanses us from sin. Baptism alone is of no benefit unless it is accompanied with the word. And that's what you see here. Having cleansed by the washing of water with the word. The water of baptism signifies cleansing must always be accompanied by the word of God. Otherwise, it has no efficacy. You cannot separate word and sacrament. You can't do it with the Lord's Supper either. If you'd come in here today and you'd taken some bread and wine and chatted to your friend and you'd have the importance of the word in, in the process of sanctification of sin. When he said in, in his high priestly prayer, John chapter 17, Jesus said this, praying to his father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So it's the word that cleanses us. It's the word 
Jesus is just symbolic of everything that takes place. So, Christ's intention then for his bride was to sanctify her. When we read in verse 26, uh, we read there, having cleansed her. Now, that's a past tense. But the Greek would also allow for a present tense. That he is currently cleansing her. And, 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 and sometimes these anomalies in scripture where you cannot be sure, it's because both are true. And both are true with regard to our sanctification. Now, if you're a Christian tonight, you've been sanctified and you're being sanctified. That is the clear teaching of scripture. Theologians call it definitive sanctification and progressive sanctification. For instance, which, which Paul speaks about a sanctification that took place at the moment believers got saved. First Corinthians 6, he says, such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified. An action that happened at the moment of conversion, you were sanctified. But the same Paul also says elsewhere, though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So, there is, there is a past sanctification. You're a saint saint tonight if you're a Christian in the eyes of God but you're being made holy so this bride of his despite her imperfections and her incompatibility when he loved her when he gave himself seen what Christ did for his church in the past. We've seen what he's doing for his church in the present. I want to look thirdly from verse 27 at what he will do for his church in the future. We read there in verse 27 that he did all this so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be is anticipating the day when his bride will be with him at the marriage supper of the Lamb in heaven and forevermore thereafter. And you see, that's another way in which this marriage cannot be compared with human marriages because any human marriage is for this life. This till death is we part. This marriage here that this verse speaks of, they will all be taken away, all of them. The word spot here could also be translated as stain. Well, a stain, as you know, a little bit messy, lunch. A stain usually happens from the outside, pollution from the outside, whereas the wrinkles can be caused by decay from the inside. stop the inner pollution any more than 
doesn't just deal with the intellect. Symptoms, he deals with the cause as well. When I read this description without spot or stain, without stain or wrinkle or any such thing, it reminds me of when you go to the dry cleaners and you pick up your suit and it's just perfect. It's, it's, it's spotlessly clean and it's immaculately pressed and folded and you're almost reluctant to wear it, to take it out of that polythene because it's, it's just so immaculate. That's how this Bible reminds me of the true spotless, perfect sins. Clean, without blemish. When he presents her to himself, Present her to himself in splendor. What does that mean? Well, I, 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 I think about a master craftsman who's been working on his project for, for a long, long time. He's been honing it to perfection.
died and paid for you with his life. And he did so because he loved you.